You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. Welcome back, queers. This is season three, episode four of Thesis on Joan. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community and the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Join us as we sit down with groundbreaking theater folks, both on stage and behind the curtain. For many queers, theater has been an escape, and this podcast looks to have open conversations on where we've come from and where we're headed as a community while queering the canon along the way. Hey, Megan, how are you doing? I am, you know, right right back in the wise pride in the summer feeling, but I'm <laughs> not to start us off on a negative note, but Ari was hot on a walk today and thought mm. about how it's not even June yet, but yay, pride. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. I don't want to get top surgery because I don't want to have to deal with bras anymore. That's fine. <laughs> Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. Under boob sweat. It's real. It's bad. And yeah. like the thigh sweat for me is out of control. Mm, anyway, mm-hmm. this is yeah. a lot for high in. listeners. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of pride, mm-hmm. what we are here. Happy pride, everyone. I, I do love this month. Uh, one. Yeah. What <laughs> for you, Megan, what's getting you into the pride spirit this year? Well, I am very excited that we have a couple pride kind of event ish plans already, which we're going to talk more about. One is uh, the show that we talked about in our last podcast together, the Taylor Mac show happening Mm. at the public, which I'm pumped about. Um, But yeah, I feel like for me, we, you know, we got to meet up with a friend recently who's not currently living in town. And I feel like sometimes pride can feel like when you see like churches have homecomings, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, yay. Like, I know this weekend I'm going to hang out with all my queers. So it's it's nice to have like that holiday. Yeah. Kind of you know, feeling. it's coming. How about you? Well, we just got off talking to one of our next guests, which I'm not mm-hmm. going to spoil it. But oof, that also felt like really getting into the the pride spirit for me. Um, yeah. yeah, just uh, she is an incredible leader and activist and, and designer. So stay tuned for that. Helps uh, us remember what pride is really about. Yeah, be about. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's similar for me. I'm, I'm excited for the community. 
When this airs, I will just have been getting back from a trip to Korea with my, wow. yeah, I know, <laughs> with my friend Sam. And, uh, you know, we had originally, this is Sam's first time going back to Korea as an adoptee. And, uh, when we first thought about this trip together, we had hoped we could go for Korean pride, uh, and, and see what it was like in Seoul. And I think, I think we're going too early now. We're, we're actually going like end of May to early June, but I definitely, am, uh, we're going to go to Homo Hill is what it's called in Seoul, where all the gay bars are. Uh, we're going to hopefully meet some other queer folks in Seoul, which will be very exciting. Um, I got, I went to, to Homo Hill when I went to Korea in 2019, but with the way our schedule worked out, it was a Tuesday night, and you know it wasn't it wasn't super it's not populated. When you be on Homo Hill. Yeah, and then the the bar, the club that was like for most for mostly like femme folks uh, was not open, so I I was bummed about that. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to experience some queer culture in Korea. Uh, I will update you once I get back. Um, yeah, and. I'm sure that I'll post things on my social media if people want to look there too. Yeah, I'll be expecting a full report all about Homo Hill. Also, yeah. like how big of a hill is it? I'm curious. It's it's a, it's like a San Francisco hill. It's oh, wow, pretty okay. steep. Yeah. So they had to put us, you know, on an angle. They they know how we love our asymmetry. Yeah, you don't want it to be too easy to reach. You got to struggle a little. Yeah, bit. you got to fight to be a homo. <laughs> That's what Seoul's all about, fighting to be a homo. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I'm so excited to hear about your trip. I know you've been looking forward to it. And um, I'm just glad that, you know, the world is kind of in a place right now where at least you don't have to quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> I hope, I hope, you know, the yeah. pandemic is real. So we're going to try and be as yeah. safe as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's wild to be back on a regular Tony schedule too. I feel mm. like pride always kind of ties in with Tony awards for me. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to have the Tonys back in June and excited that I actually like some things that are up for Tony's. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that'll be another, that'll be something else to celebrate when you're back from Korea. Definitely. Yeah. I'm excited for that too. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about some shows? Let's do it. Megan, you saw How I Learned to Drive by our uh, now friend, fam, <laughs> Paula Vogel. Our, yeah, favorite queer elder slash dog, corgi mom. Yes. Um, corgi parent. <laughs> uh, yeah, to continue the tradition this spring of seeing plays that I've only ever read. <laughs> it's it's another one, right, that I feel like, you know, when you read it, it actually feels pretty linear. And when you see the show you you realize how um kind of subversive the um the way that she constructs it is with the jumping forward and backward in time and mm. um it's like and again I know, I feel like I'm repeating what I just said for color girls but I can't <laughs> imagine seeing this when it first came out and like the audience reaction to it cuz you know almost half of the people around me before the show started had said like, Oh, I saw the original. I'm so excited to see it again. You know? Mm -hmm. So these people like knew what they were in for. They were very aware of like what this show is about. Um, but I can't imagine like an entire house of people who had seen this for the first time 25 years ago, what that would have been. Yeah. I think, cause I saw the revival, the, the second stage, um, 
and I don't think I knew what it was about going in. Mm. Uh, and so it was, it was a big surprise to me. And I think, I don't know. I, I don't remember when it was, but I feel like I don't know if I was picking up on how like insidious the relationship was and like how many red flags there were throughout the whole sure. piece. Um, and it, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I still want to see it now, um, to see how I, I react to things, but yeah. Yeah. I think what struck me the most, the like genius of it is how manipulative the playwright is with, um, you allowing this predator some, not even empathy, but understanding Mm -hmm. because it starts with her 17, just about to turn 18. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, still doesn't make it okay but in your mind you're like okay this is an an almost adult you know Mm -hmm. and the way that it moves backward in time it's you realize that you've given this man allowances uh and you never had the whole story and that I just think what is so brilliant about it do you like how do you think it's changed since the actors now are so much older than when it originally premiered like how do you think that has affected the play yeah, I actually looked up production photos of the first uh, production to mm-hmm. see. I mean, Mary Louise Parker has like a portrait of herself aging in the attic, I think. So like <laughs> there's, no, there's no change there. She uh-huh. looks like almost exactly the same. And her her ability to move between the ages and her body language is awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw it with my wife and she was saying how she liked that it felt like very fun home, like big Allison, like more mm-hmm. retrospective because she is older. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was able to embody like the adult looking back a little bit more. I think it must really change though, the way it would have changed the way I perceived David Morse, I think, because he has like noticeably aged a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at the production photos and he looks like a guy in his thirties in those, which he was. Mm-hmm. And now he, he more looks the age of the role actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like that makes it more sinister too because he's yeah. older, but I, I don't know what that means. It's not like a 30-year-old man should be doing what he's doing in the play. But. Right. So he so he's supposed to be 30 when Lil Bit is like the youngest or when he's the oldest? There's a moment where he says he's in his 50s and I think it's when she's like going off to college. Okay. So. So yeah, there's like a 25 year age difference between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or more than that, almost 30. Yeah, I'm not sure who did you see. Who did you see in the the roles? It was uh, Norbert Leo Butts was oh whoa. the uncle. Yeah, not a way you want to see him. No, and uh, all I can think of is Ava from Grey's Anatomy, but that's not her name. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Reeser. Yeah, Elizabeth Reeser. Okay. She's been in a ton of stuff. Super disturbing. Also, like, I don't, do you remember this, what happened, what, oh, do you remember Norbert Leo Butts talking about, like, how he won't be in shows that portray violence against women mm-hmm. anymore? And, like, because what happened to his sister? With his sister, yeah. Ugh. That's such a horrifying story. Um, yeah, I think about that story periodically and it just makes me so sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think this happened, that revival was after that happened and after he's like, oh, I'm not doing that kind of work anymore. Yeah. And I'm curious when the production you saw, 
because the set for this is so minimal, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like some flats and some chairs and a table uh and there's some costume pieces that come on and off for the ensemble members mm-hmm. um is that kind of what it was like when you saw it i don't remember it super well i just remember mm-hmm. some of the key scenes with with little bit and the uncle mm-hmm. and but i don't i remember like there was a i think the car was just chairs like there wasn't yeah. any yeah it, i think it was pretty minimal it's awesome, though. I, I can imagine, you know, when Paul was first trying to get this produced or get it together, like, I'm sure people read it and they're like, how are we going to show this? How mm. is this progression going to take place? This is so confusing. And it's just like theater magic, how simply it's done. And it's such a complex story, but the audience is easily able to be with it the whole time just because it's like written and directed so clearly i thought that was fantastic there um i just read the script recently before we Mm -hmm. talked to paula and i think in the script i think this is how i learned to drive she puts some suggestions for slides or like projections oh uh and then she notes like oh the original production didn't do this but this is an option Um, okay and she gives some yeah some like ideas for things to project behind the show i'm pretty sure this is how i learned to drive um but it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like they did that for this production either no no projections yeah yeah very minimal Mm -hmm. um i have to shout out joanna day too who plays the mother character Mm -hmm. and a couple other uh also the wife of the uncle but she has some really incredible like moments of these the one is like your mom's tips on how to drink mm-hmm. and like it's she's enable she's able to like just in this one actor show like the really complicated relationship that all the women in this family have with like themselves and their bodies and, and mm-hmm. the men in their life and she takes on a huge like burden with that role um and really does an awesome job mm. yeah yeah, I'm thinking as like more of our friends have children or like planning to have children, like mm-hmm. how we sexualize children so early and how we talk about gender to children so early. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's hard even if you are trying to do something different, you know, they're going to pick up so much from the world around them. And it's, uh, I was thinking back to, to um, you know, I'm going into the show having read it but not remembering it very well but knowing a lot about Paula and there really is nothing in it to her point about being worried uh, uh, about people assuming that trauma leads to Mm. being queer Mm -hmm. there really isn't anything in it that really reveals it a little bit ends up being queer later in life I think there's like one line that says something about like I wasn't as interested in boys as I thought I would be you Mm. know so I thought that was um, it's very purposeful <laughs> what mm-hmm. she did. And I know she talked about it a lot with us. So as of the time of recording, How I Learned to Drive has been extended through June 12th, hoping that it's extended further. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out, you still have a weekend to catch it. So Holly, you were like, what, four hours out from having seen Strange Loop. This I is am. very fresh. It's so fresh. I'm really glad I saw it at Playwrights. So I had like at least knew what I was in for and I had I've had time to digest that performance at least yeah <laughs> if you and you saw it for the very first time 
Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. So this is like right so on the heels fresh. of it. I, I'm like, where do we go next? Because there's some things I want to talk about. I guess we should tell folks that this is probably spoilery if you are waiting to see the show and yeah. you want to be totally surprised by moments of it. Um, I have to ask first, uh, did things change? Because I, it feels like such a tight, cohesive show. So uh-huh. I was like, I have to talk to Holly about if anything is different in this. It did feel a little tighter. I think they did cut some things. And then I listened to the cast recording on my way home. And it did feel mm-hmm. like they cut a little of the mom stuff. Okay. Um, And they had changed the the sex scene a little bit. It's actually like more intense on oh, the recording. It's like more racial. Um, Yeah. It's a little more like slave play ish. Uh, But yeah, that those were the main things I remembered that felt a little different. But other than that, it felt pretty similar um, besides the main actor changing because all the thoughts are the same. Um, there's so, so many of the scenes stick out to me of like having visceral memories of seeing this and how beautifully it's staged and choreographed. I'm like, Oh, I remember so much of this now that I'm seeing it. Um, and I think I haven't been listening to it since I saw it. And I think, watching it today I'm like oh this show feels so emotional to me and so precious that I think Mm -hmm. I was putting off revisiting it because I'm like oh it's it's too it's too much that I can't just like listen to it sure yeah and you saw it right before COVID so it's Mm -hmm. like it's uh pretty emotionally raw like I think revisiting it you have to be like ready for that yeah so and it feels mm-hmm. like I want to give it my full attention, you know, when sure. I'm engaging with the show. Um, but yeah, just like such an infusion of joy. I think like the uh, the the thoughts are incredible. Like each one of them has such an amazing, so amazing. moment. And they just, when they are on stage, like they're so dynamic. You can't take your eyes off of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all so unique and um just like have so much personality and character work and what they're doing. It's incredible. It's so great. And I was uh, telling my friend who I went with, um, this is like, for many reasons, this is a show I want to return to, Mm. but like seeing the different like personality and energy that people would bring to like the thoughts is like, it's so cool to think that because it feels like those are very much constructed around those actors right Mm -hmm. um and like thinking back to what l morgan was telling us about like how collaborative the process was of putting the show together so like these characters are very much you know pieces of them too Mm -hmm. um and you could see that come through like they were just fully embodying uh yeah the thoughts are incredible yeah and they just look like they're having so much fun. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure everything is super rehearsed and worked through and uh, specific, but it just feels like they're having a party. And yeah, uh, it feels like there's ad lib moments. And I know there's probably not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I did want to say is I, we have to demand <laughs> that the Tonys add an ensemble award uh. <laughs> like the Olivier's have because the show needs it. Like this whole cast needs needs to get a tony for this ensemble work Uh, absolutely i don't know why we don't have that in in our award season yeah and they're on they're working hard oh my gosh they're on stage 
all of them, including um, the lead. Like everyone's mm. on stage almost the whole show. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's wild to me. I, no one's getting any breaks, and it's a very like seems very difficult song, show to sing, mm-hmm. you know. And it's super energy packed. So and emotional. I, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember if there was an intermission or not, and then I kept. Once we got to the like the gospel number, I'm like, oh no, this is to the end. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm like, damn, that's such a, an intense, packed show. So the lead, uh, Jaquelle Spivey, just graduated last May. Is that's that right? Incredible. Yeah, he's <laughs> amazing. Uh, he plays the main character, Usher. Like we said, he's on stage the entire time. Entire show. Yeah. And the range of that role, like vocally, is wild. Like, it's very impressive. And emotional range. Oh, wow. Yeah. I do wish, like, I feel like the thoughts get so many moments of fun and play and joy. Mm -hmm. And I wish that Usher also got a couple moments to, like, experience something good you know yeah and I was thinking about this actually uh, on the way home and because you really only get like the couple fourth wall breaks or things like that where mm-hmm. Usher is able to do a comedic bit uh-huh. um but I'm like if we're in the world of this the thoughts are him right mm-hmm. so it's like I guess he is getting the comedic moments but I thought that too it's like he he kind of has to be this like centered focused uh, character to like the chaos of the thoughts yeah um, which, oh i remember oh yeah. the scene on the train where uh oh, yeah. the guy hits on him oh that broke my heart the first time i saw it i was so excited for him and then you find yeah. out you know it's not real oh that was rough. how did the audience react uh today when you saw it people were that? vocal they were like oh yeah. they were very upset too Someone behind me literally yelled, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's what I felt too. Like it's, yeah, the show definitely um, calls out some visceral responses and people to various scenes. I was Um, glad that like it didn't at least turn into like a joke or something that the guy was hitting mm -hmm. on him. Yeah. But speaking of jokes, Mm -hmm. um, and this being another show that I know I'm not the target audience, I'm happy to be in the audience to see this show. Mm -hmm. Um, it, you know, there's, there's things that folks laugh at that feel like troubling that people are laughing at. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's part of his, part of Michael's agenda, right. Mm -hmm. Is to put the discomfort there and see how you react to it. Um, but I wanted to hear like how that you reacted to that as well. Yeah. Like, are you talking about the like Tyler Perry spinoff stuff? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't, there weren't a ton of people did laugh at it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it felt more like laughing at like how ridiculous it is more than like Mm -hmm. thinking that is real, but it is, I love how the show talks about like what is what kind of blackness is permitted to be on Broadway. Like, you know, we've got the Lion King. Yeah. We've got a lot of the color purple um, and entertainment in general, right? Because Tyler Perry does a lot of stuff. Um, But yeah, I, and it's interesting, like knowing this show would be seen by a lot of white people, like offering that up to people as a joke. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
and telling you like these characters aren't real and they aren't real people uh and then still see but yeah i don't know does that sink in for folks or do they still think you know it's funny to laugh at those characters right yeah i don't know it's hard to tell but i think it's brilliant the way it's in there and the other thing too um that like the thing that i can't stop thinking about that i'm just like this playwright is incredibly brilliant um is the scene where which we'll talk more about the gospel scene right Mm -hmm. the like penultimate scene of the play (laughs) and um that moment where the lights come into the audience and the thoughts lean over and like do the welcome you to clap moment like and i'm just like holy shit (laughs) like this is because people do it and i'm just like this is wild (laughs) you are complicit in this but then I'm thinking back to like how many times have I been in a religious environment and I'm complicit because it's what's expected of me and what is vocalized Mm. and it just like paralleled the experience of being in church but it also like I don't know. That part is so wild to me. I, I I don't know if that's in the script or if it's a director choice, but like that part alone, I'm like, get all the awards. Yeah. <laughs> it's so wild. Yeah. And the fact that people do, especially because like who's going to be in the orchestra, right? Like all, like mostly yeah. white folks. And yeah, they're just going to be clapping. Like I don't, I'm like, are you thinking critically about what you're seeing at all? Or are you just here to be entertained? Because you think this is going to be a Tyler Perry show. I hope not. I don't know. Oh, it like really calls people out and like it it jumps into like your, I don't know how he does it. Like with the laughing, with the clapping, it's like there's not enough time for you to think about what you're doing Mm because you've been trained to respond to things in this way. Mm -hmm. So then you find yourself like, oh shit, like I can't believe. Yeah. Um, Like everyone in my row was clapping. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Just like, wow, this is... how how is this happening (laughs) yeah i think brendan jenkin jacobs does that really well too of like Mm. making Mm -hmm. you laugh really hard and then being like why were you laughing (laughs) you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) um yeah it's incredible um Mm -hmm. i also worked at the lion king (laughs) i sold merch (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like i feel this so hard of like dealing with the tourists and it is really but like el morgan lee's song um is really sweet and like a really nice Mm -hmm. moment um do you think that character is supposed to be white or black i don't know yeah actually i was i feel like that was another thing that i know we talked about this with suffs a little bit Uh like unless it was blatantly said this character is white i kind of assumed it was a black character um that makes sense yeah but i don't know also that song is like very sweet um and it's like kind of the only like conventional musical theater moment Mm -hmm. in the whole show for me which is interesting yeah i mean he has so many different styles of music throughout the piece right and Mm -hmm. as i was like listening to the score again by itself um the first piece feels very Sondheim-esque mm-hmm. um, with all the different thought, very like company almost. Um, yeah. And just his like his rhyming and his play on words is like Sondheim level. Yeah. Yeah. And super intricate and like things that I probably won't 
get until I've listened to the cast recording like three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that the opening number is so joyous in like a genuinely joyous way, but also in a like, this is as good as it's going to like emotionally <laughs> as high <laughs> as it's going to get. And we're just going to take you down from here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think he does such a great job of like, you you feel so sad for Usher in the first half of the show and like it generally it as the show goes it gets harder and harder for him and like up to like the sex scene right and mm-hmm. and you're just devastated by that and you're and he sings that song about oh what are my boundaries like why did I yeah. let he and him do that to me and then you kind you get it you get why like you get how like where the self loathing comes from you know how much his like family and the church has influenced him, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, and it 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 helps us understand you know the psyche of someone who's been constantly oppressed and constantly told they're wrong you know their you know their family does say they love them but just like unloved by the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and loved like with a caveat that mm-hmm. they wish that he would be somebody else. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. I kept thinking of um during the like Tinder Hell's Kitchen dating uh-huh. scene, which is so much fun. Yeah, um, <laughs> like the I kept thinking, Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> they're so good. Yeah, it's exactly what I wanted. Um, <laughs> I kept thinking of uh, Hire You Single, Ryan Haddad's show, yeah. and, like, the parallels of, like, him in the bar scenes and, and that show as well. And um, I wonder if they've ever sat down and chatted about gay dating, because I think they should. Oh, <laughs> I'd love to hear that conversation, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I am so thankful I am not a cis gay man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. I was, like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought that was, like, so, okay. I have talked to a few people about the show before I saw it. Like, and it's either folks, you know, who I'm friends with and trust and have seen it and are obsessed with it. But then there's other folks I've talked to who aren't, uh, you know, people that I would normally go to the theater with. Uh-huh. And everyone was like, it's really good, but it kind of goes too far or like it, it, it like pushes too much. And I was literally mid like the show yesterday. I'm like, they were all cis, white, beautiful gay men. Uh, <laughs> like, and I was like, I don't think that that crew is used to getting called out on stage very often. Yeah. So and, it was refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> and calling out white women, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The whole song about, you know, like white women can get away with anything. Can do anything. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's going to ruffle feathers too, right? Like, I hope. Yeah. Oh, like the women are like, oh, but you know, we're oppressed patriarchy, you know? Um, yeah. And I love that that is in there. Um, yeah. And between those two groups, I feel like, you know, there's this element of like, Oh, the theater has always been a a safe space for people who are different or, you know, and it's like, yeah, and it needs to be that. And that's why it's not for y'all right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, I love the moment where Usher says something about the cousin who passes away and like how he's like, not normal heart, not angels in America. And Mm -hmm. it's like, here is what we've learned is gay life. And it's not Mm -hmm. what, not what I'm talking about in the show. Yeah. I just, I like, I felt emotional watching the opening number because I'm like, Oh, when, 
first of all, I'm just so happy for them that they're on Broadway and singing about a big mm-hmm. black queer ass American Broadway. Like that feels so on special Broadway. on Broadway. Yep. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, Oh, I've never, I never see a main character that has like a body that's similar to mine that has like all these insecurities that I, that, you know, also I'm not the main mm-hmm. audience for this, but like I relate to him so deeply and yeah, just, I think just having a fat protagonist and then adding on all like the blackness, the queerness, all of that, just, it's so specific, but I was reading um deep trans review of the show and mm-hmm. it's all about how like the specificity of it makes it universal. And I think that's so true. Oh yeah. I saw that in her review. Yeah. I know. I was trying to think as I was watching it, like, when is when was our last like true fat protagonist? And I probably hairspray, but yeah. that's like very different. Yeah, <laughs> what's being done with that? And yeah, and hairspray is more about like the fatness is like oh, but she can. She's still she's trying to lose weight. She's doing all the right things, right? Like she's right. a good fat person. And it's like, can you believe she's just talented and she's fat? Yeah. <laughs> and this this is more in the reality of like, no, you're fucking discriminated against when you're fat. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah. Uh so I love the the musical title of show, right? Which is another mm-hmm. meta musical. And uh So my ex used to always like disagree with me and she's like, oh, you know, it's good. But, you know, I think they're really talented and they could have done more. And I always like was so upset by that because I'm like, what are you talking about? That's so brilliant. It's funny. It's like heartfelt. It's encouraging to be creative. And now I like look at this show and Mm -hmm. the meta-ness of it and the show within the show. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) this is what this concept could do and yeah 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 it's so um I I feel like it would be hard to explain to folks who I don't really know their theater preferences you Mm. know (laughs) because it's like if I it's someone I know and I know that they're they love theater and you know it's like what like how are how are we pitching this out of town people I want everyone to see it but that's what I I keep thinking about because it is very meta and it is very like a musical about feelings and emotions more than it is about like a story that happens Mm, so yeah um I think I would just tell people to go see it and be like I can't tell you what it's about you just have to see it (laughs) yeah um also because I saw the minutes last night okay yeah oh that might is real rough I would oh no recommend not seeing that show at all. Really? I I've hated heard like good things from folks oh, about I it. hated it so much. <laughs> um, Why? Tell me. It's it, I feel like it's everything wrong with old Broadway cuz they like this was going to go this was going to be on Broadway, you know, before the pandemic, right? And then mm-hmm. it got delayed and now it's there and I'm like this shouldn't have been brought back. It's like a mostly white cast uh set in a small town in Big Cherry uh where it's like a city it's like a city council meeting. And the city council, there was one person missing, uh, Noah, who was Patrick from Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he missed the last meeting because his mother died. And so he's like trying to find out what happened at the last meeting and no one will tell him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you find out through the course of the play that like something went down, like history about the town was revealed. It's racist as fuck surprise oh, surprise shit. and like yeah. the rest of the city council is trying to cover it up basically 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, why are we producing shows about racism written by old white people when we could just be producing people of color? <laughs> like when this is down the street. Yeah. yeah. Like, like why Tracy Letts doesn't need any more money. Tracy Letts is well known. He's fine. He's also starring in it. Um, mm-hmm. And it just goes to that point of like, it lets it like white white people are gonna watch this and be like, oh, well, we're not that bad because we're not like going to the extremes we're not those of these people. people. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no nuance. It's just you know, white people are bad. Uh, they're all extremely racist, which you know, everyone is racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like if you're not doing the absurd things that these people are doing, it's not that bad. Or it, it just lets walk people off, feeling off the hook. Yeah. Okay about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Which goes back to like, like, um, they're saying in Strange Loop of like, how are you going to produce a show if it's not about like slavery? Yeah. <laughs> how do you, how are you going to make a show that doesn't like show the extreme of racism so people can walk out feeling just like that? Like, yeah. well, at least I'm not that person. And I'm thinking like, um, Larissa Fast Horse, uh, has her play Thanksgiving play. And Mm -hmm. that stars all white people and talks about like indigenous uh, genocide and like representation. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why aren't people producing that on Broadway? You know, like if you want to talk about indigeneity and genocide, like fucking produce a native writer. Yeah. It's like, if you want to have this conversation, here's the way to do it. Yeah. And if you need it to star all white people, like there's your play. There you go. You can still do that. Yeah. That's wild because I, um, that's not clear in any of the advertising or marketing. Yeah, version. I haven't read any of the reviews because I was just so mad about it. <laughs> it's got great reviews too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So spend your money on Strange Loop instead. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Go as many times as you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I do want to shout out Elle Morgan Lee because she's such a star. Like all of them are incredible, but I think she, she just has my heart so much. <laughs> oh, she's incredible. And like almost all of the thoughts are making their Broadway debut too, which That's, blows my mind. Oh, they're so talented. <laughs> there are moments when Elle Morgan is just like singing her face off and it's just kind of like in the background on the side, yeah. but I'm like, ah, <laughs> do you hear her? <laughs> I wanted to turn to people and be like, do you know the offers that she has? You are lucky she is here. (laughs) (laughs) She is not going to be in an ensemble for long. So appreciate this while while we have her here. (laughs) They're all so incredible. I just, yeah. I want them all to have. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Yeah. Go see the show several times. Tell everyone you know to see it. Mm Mm-hmm. Take friends. Yeah. Take enemies. (laughs) Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So another show we recently got to see together was Which Way to the Stage at MCC, written by Anna Nogueira and directed by Mike Donahue, with choreography by Paul McGill. And I am very excited to talk with you about the show. I had many thoughts. Yeah. Well, I have you to thank for like knowing the show exists, but most shows. Um, but I remember when you first sent me the info about this, you're like, I think we have to see this. I'm like, yeah, yes, we do. From the, from the blurb, it sounds like it's about fan, like musical theater fan culture, mm-hmm. um, which it is. And I know like Megan was writing a thesis on this, right? Like, yeah, we had to go see it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's a rule. And we're both of the of the fandom, you know, and currently of the fandom. Um, but it, it's definitely um, and we're going to get more into it. It's they don't give you a lot in the marketing blurb. And I feel like that is very on purpose. So mm-hmm. I and all I had really heard about it from friends was like, this is so funny. You're going to laugh the whole time. And like it definitely delivered on that for, I'd say, like the first, what, 20, 25 minutes. So I was mm-hmm. like, OK, I know what this play is. I don't know. What did you think at the beginning? Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a loving send up of musical theater fans. And, and and I think that is what the first 20, 30 minutes is. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a pair of two best friends, who uh, a gay man and a straight woman. Uh, both white presenting um, at a stage door waiting for an actress, a.k.a. Adina Menzel, to come out of the if then, and they want her autograph. Uh, and there are so many like insider and musical theater jokes, references. <laughs> like I was, I was loving There's that. There's a Jackie Burns joke. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. And like the minute we walked in, like we both saw the set and we're like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's the stage door. It's, it's them poster. They were playing, um, like Little Shop and yeah. Legally Hamilton. Blonde. Hamilton. Yeah. All these like <laughs> fan shows. And, you know, it definitely felt like, everyone in the crowd was in on that too. Like Mm -hmm. the first half hour was for all of us for sure. Yeah. It felt like a heavy theater crowd. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. And then it goes, it takes a twist. And I think I'm still confused of like what the message is. The playwright was trying to make at the end, Mm -hmm. but I think it really tries to get into the relationship between the two friends and uh, the di- the dynamics, the power dynamics of uh, of a white a cis gay man and his um, his patriarchy versus the the gay the straight woman's uh, homophobia um, and how those both like casually interfere with their relationship casually and that's exactly it right it's like this and I think that's what makes the twist so like strange or like you don't kind of don't feel the play that it's turning into because it things start to get slowly like weaved into their conversations until it ends up being like you know kind of like these knockdown drag out conversations about 
identity and place in the musical theater world and like who's getting what roles and who's being um, marginalized to the point where, you know, everyone in the show thinks that they have it worse than the other, which, mm. you know, that's, that's a, a thing we see in plays often and creates good conflict, but just with the climate of the world or just yeah. the world as it is. And the fact that, you know, it, it was, it made it increasingly difficult to sympathize with any of these characters. Yeah. It felt like they were playing oppression Olympics uh, mm-hmm. and there was absolutely no acknowledgement of the privilege they have uh, as two white folks, as, you know, people who have a lot of financial resources, it seems like they both had to work day jobs, but yeah, but they, they're stable. They're paying their rent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really bothered me. Like if you want to talk about injustice in the actor community and the theater community, this is not where I would start. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and not to say it's not a thing, it is a thing, but I feel like we can start with people more impacted than, than this. And also as themselves as gatekeepers, right? Like they mm-hmm. hold a lot of power. There's a, there's a whole conversation about how um, the writers of musical theater wrote women's parts as like uh, a surrogate to themselves because they couldn't write about themselves because they were gay and the time period wouldn't allow it. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it was like, Oh, these parts were written for me and I'm not allowed to have them because I'm a gay man, but the women get all those parts. And it's like, yes, but they were but... still, yeah. Like those writers were still allowed into the theater industry. Like how many people were, shut out completely right and Mm -hmm. and not even allowed to pretend to be somebody else right and it's kind of like a I know I said this after we saw the show I don't like invalidate that like I I feel like if you asked if you had asked Sondheim he wouldn't (laughs) been like no I I wanted to write you know the Mm. baker's wife like you know he was always so wonderful at writing women's roles and like Bobby exists who has a male identifying role Mm -hmm. so he clearly didn't feel held back to write a male character that feels isolated and alone so I'm like there's also just don't don't like cast doubt over the entire history of musical theater that we all love in the audience and say that like every role written for a woman isn't actually for a woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like okay this is like the one thing that like femme identifying people get in the theater is that like the best songs go to them yeah so i don't know that was a strange twist but i think the the thing you said at the beginning, Holly, is like, what are we supposed to learn from this? What uh-huh. are we supposed to walk out with? I don't understand. And I think we're going to spoil the ending here. Um, the ending, uh, there's a lot of talk throughout the show of the the woman actress not having an amazing voice, but she is very... Um, repressed I guess when she sings she doesn't let herself go she's not very free on stage as a performer and the the gay friend is a drag performer and you know doesn't have the parts that he's uh able to find are not really plentiful um so what happens in the end is that the the straight woman does drag uh and she the last thing is is a an amazing performance of her doing uh, Rose's turn and it's pretty it's it's very fun to watch it's you know entertaining but yeah I'm not sure 
it, it feels like it's supposed to be like she found her freedom in her performing through drag, even though she has some kind of disparaging things to say about drag and the, um, you know, the patriarchy that's within drag, um, which I don't really agree with, but yeah. And now that we're reflecting back on it and in light of the conversation that we just had with our upcoming guest, like even this drag performer in the show, the, the male identifying friend, you know, there's no, I don't know. I think, I feel like you're, you're led to think that this is a art form he's been able to authentically embrace, but there's also no recognition of like, where drag comes from and mm-hmm. how drag has also been taken from, you know, the black trans women or the black women who have like originated a lot of it. But yeah, there's, it could go on. I mean, the performance is amazing at the end, but I just, it, it almost makes drag feel a little more I, slight. I don't know yeah. how to say it. It's like, she's using it as like a friendship move to apologize. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting because the, the director, Mike Donahue, also directed um, The Legend of Georgia McBride, which mm-hmm. I saw. And I felt like that show had one of the most, uh, one of the best descriptions of the importance and the history of drag in it and helped me understand, you know, where it came from even. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I think I also, at a time, like had those same feelings about drag where I'm like, oh, is this, you know, codifying what it means to be a woman like why do you know drag women queens have to look like this um and and does it like objectify women to do drag Mm -hmm. and I think um this show didn't get into that as much just name those things and then didn't really counter the argument yeah it's almost like if you wanted this to be the conversation why wasn't this most like the entire play you Mm -hmm. know and um I, I feel like this is going to get done like wildfire at colleges. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to rake in all the licensing money. And I don't know. I felt the, the shift for both of us like mid show, you know, mm-hmm. like, we were like in it, we were laughing at everything. And then we were just kind of like <laughs> pulling back a little bit, um, which wasn't the case for everyone, you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of people seemed with it. And, but I feel like if you're the type of person to go to see this show, you are able to have conversations that are well beyond what this show is trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're educated already on this quote issue that it's talking about and you need to challenge yourself to go. Yeah. Further. Well, I'm curious, like if there are folks going who are just like musical theater fans and maybe they haven't had these conversations, like maybe it is a gateway. I don't know. Um, Cause yeah, I'm trying to think who the, the blurb is like really tailoring to. And it feels like it's theater folks. Like I can't imagine a tourist going to see this. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to shout out though, <laughs> the actress, uh, Michelle Vientimilla, who played all of the like other women roles outside of, um, uh, the main character, Judy, uh, She's so good. It's <laughs> like, so funny. She, she plays like the girl you think is the mean girl, but is actually like on your side. She plays like a drunk bachelorette type. <laughs> and yeah, I I don't know. She kind of stole a lot of scenes for me. I really enjoyed her performances. I really wanted to see her Adina Menzel because she kind of looks like Adina, but that never happened. No, that was the checkoff gun that didn't get fired is her walking on stage <laughs> <laughs> looking like Adina and it never happens. Yeah. But. 
I also, with the ending, I'm like, oh, this could have been her in King Drag, right? Like, oh, yeah. how could she have freed her? I would have loved to see how she frees herself, you know, as a, a masculine person. That would have, like, 360 the way I felt about it. Yeah. It would have totally changed it for me. I'd like, if it ended with that point, because that mm-hmm. would have gave me a totally different message. I also, um, like, what would have, there's also this, um bisexual man character that like the both friends are kind of fighting over and he's kind of the foil of like he presents as like a straight white very masculine man and oh it's so easy for him to get all these parts he has so much privilege we're so hard pressed uh i would have loved to see him in drag too you know yeah everybody getting dragged yeah <laughs> it's true Could have been a whole closing number i will say i was telling a friend who um doesn't live here about this show and they were like oh so it's like waiting for godot and i'm like <laughs> i don't know like i thinking about it through that lens i almost wish it had gone a little more like absurdist with like yeah. waiting for adina to come out that would have been funny so as of this recording it's set to close may 22nd maybe it will extend and you'll still have more opportunity to see it if you want i think it is a, a decent conversation starter um but yeah i do wish it had gone deeper with its uh its analysis and then megan we had the great fortune to see the into the woods at city center's encore series uh which blew my mind i loved it so much um great fortune indeed yes (laughs) the way to say it yeah and this is not a particularly queer show, so I wanted to queer it with you. Uh, this mm-hmm. is our Queering the Canon. How would you queer Into the Woods? I mean, the way that I always kind of thought it was going to be queer and they just didn't go for it is, like, the really leaning into the witch, like, being Rapunzel's lover instead oh. of, like, a mother figure, Dang. right? Because, like, she has this beautiful like femme locked in a tower who's totally dependent on her and like is like almost kind of uh what is it stockholm syndrome type mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm. i mean and i'm like just like lean into that <laughs> and then that like drives the witch's motivations so interestingly to me but mm. um i think we read emma donahue's story that in that kissing the witch oh, i think there is it's a, so long now but I think there's one in that book that's like gay Rapunzel. Amazing. And yeah. Uh, what about you? Uh, I would love to see a woman. Well, first of all, I want to see like butch princes uh, do oh. agony. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and that also fits into my, my dream of like uh, Cinderella's prince being a woman. Uh, and then when the baker has the affair, it's, it's a bigger like aha moment and it's a bigger like, her discovering her queerness and then and then she dies which is very barrier gaze and very sad but like give it to me (laughs) i'm so here for that i i like how it's barrier gaze within like two seconds of realizing you're oh you're gay tree (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh ultimate barrier gaze fantasy um now i can't stop thinking about who i would want the prince's to be who would you cast oh my god i wasn't prepared um yeah i mean i want cynthia the arrivo and everything um i would love a shoshana bean prince i mean jen colella prince would work well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I mean, I just gotta say it. I don't know if she can sing it, but Roberta Colindra. <gasps> oh my gosh, <laughs> Roberta Colindra's in like a prince costume would just yeah. melt people. But just like probably acting like Joan. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't even sing. She just like speaks. Just talks walks on like, hey, agony. What's up, Baker's wife. Yeah. <laughs> Instant gay. <laughs> Instant. Oh, I want this. Yeah, oh, but also so super here for a queer witch. Um, I'd be in for the witch and the baker's wife. And the baker can die. Bye, baker. Yeah, he's kind of the most boring character. But it's yeah. like Bobby and company. It's like the action revolves around mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. character. It's like they're for the, the conduit of the fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and then Mickey I feel like... queer. <laughs> Yeah, oh, Milky White, definitely in that production we saw. <laughs> yeah. Stole the show, upstaged everybody. Yeah. I would watch that puppeteer perform Milky White for like two straight hours. Oh, yeah. Complain. Needs its own show. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like if you make, if you swap it and you make the baker's wife live and the baker die, then you also have to switch the narrator to be a woman too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So then like being haunted by a mother instead of a father mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh i'd love like a non-binary jack oh yeah yeah i mean that's like already there for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> like full peter pan style definitely yeah i mean i i'm for queering everybody you know everyone but... should be queer oh what about like <laughs> full predatory lesbian wolf <laughs> like... yeah <laughs> like leah delaria <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That would cause some people to not enjoy that part. Oh yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> and, little, and Little Red is still like very oblivious. Oh, and then like I know things now is also then a sexual awakening song. <gasps> These should all be about sexual awakening. Well, it already is a sexual, yeah. but now yeah. it's like a queer sexual awakening. Yeah. Ah, uh, give this to me. I know. I'm sure someone's like wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's been some. Who our friend from book club who uh, was talking about all the licensed versions of Annie, the really strange versions of Annie people are trying to produce. <laughs> Someone's definitely made Milky White gay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've never I I cried when Jack said goodbye to Milky White, which I have never done before. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I I mean Milky White was his pet, and I have strong attachment to my pet now. I know. I was like, now that we have dogs, the whole yeah. time I'm like, Milky Way looks like Indy. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> but like the way it acts is just like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it was, oh, I was not expecting that. Yeah. It was really sweet. I I loved that so much. I'm curious if this production will, you know, with or without this cast, if, because it hasn't been on Broadway. Has there been a revival? Yeah. There was the one with Laura Benanti and, and Vanessa oh, Williams. Right. Yeah. It's been a minute, though. Yeah. That's the one where Laura broke her neck. Oh, yes. Yeah. I thought, oh, I thought of that one, Danae. Every time Danae Benton fell, I'm like, oh, God, protect her. A lot of falling for Cinderella. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Danae Benton's voice. Oh, Oh. my God. I had never heard her sing before uh, because I didn't. I saw Philippa in Natasha Pierre. Oh, right. No. Her voice is angelic. Yeah. And Heather Headley. Clean. Yeah. I think she's Incredible. maybe my favorite witch I've ever seen. 
Mm. Very, like, so different from a lot of them. She, like, really... It's like when you see someone perform Shakespeare really well. Mm. She, like, found things in it that, like, were always there, but you never yeah. noticed it. She was the first witch in the opening where I'm like, oh, I'm afraid of her. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. She is yeah. menacing. Yeah. And, like, kind of had that maniacal, like, unhinged yeah. throughout. It was great. Definitely. And in the second act, too. She's, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I really wanted to talk to this about the show with you and I had to figure out how to fit it into our podcast and we did it. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, the production is not playing anymore, but I feel like everyone I know saw it. So hopefully that includes all of our listeners. Yeah. And there's videos online if you have, if you want to see clips too. And so there's a bunch of shows coming up that we're also excited about. Um, one that we have tickets to already and recently just won the Pulitzer Prize uh, is Fat Ham. You were going to say recently I just won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> big, big news this show. I just won the lottery today for the free tickets to the public production. Never happened before. First time occurrence. And I win a lot of lotteries, I must say. You do. You're a lucky person. I think, I do think it's persistence. It's a numbers game. You just have to do it every single day. Um, but <laughs> Fat Ham just won the Pulitzer Prize. Congratulations to them and to me. Uh, it is a, at the public theater, a co-production with the National Black Theater. Uh, this show is written by James Imes and directed by Sahim Ali. And it's playing right now, May 12th through June 12th. And hopefully that will be extended as uh, by the time this is released as well. I feel like it has to. Got that sweet yeah. Pulitzer behind it. That's awesome. Um, also coming up right after this podcast comes out, June 15th through July 3rd is the 8th annual Queerly Festival presented by Frigid New York. It's going to be at the Crane Theater. So most of these performances will also be available to live stream from home. So if you're not able to make it to the theater, you're not in New York, you can check it out from from the comfort of your own air-conditioned home. So tickets are, or a non-air-conditioned, I don't know, you could go to the library where it's air-conditioned and watch it instead. <laughs> uh, tickets are $25 in person, 20 bucks for streaming, and so we'll link to that, but there's a lot of exciting, interesting-looking performances that are a part of that festival. Yeah, I want to shout out um, as Sylvia, uh, it was a trans femme young person who's really embodying the spirit of Sylvia Rivera uh, in her bedroom and kind of like figuring herself out through uh, her connection to Sylvia. And then these two books in burlesque, An Evening of Lore and Allure. This feels right up my alley of burlesque tied to books and and passages from books and i cannot wait to see this and then rivaling that is like what seems right up my alley even though books are this is a hard call yeah but kings so this is on saturday june 5th and this is based on i love this in quotes the great men of history this is a drag king show of kings as kings Kind of just taking down the whole machismo, patriarchy, king complex. Um, but it sounds fantastic. And yeah, I feel like I need to see Drag Churchill real bad. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can we can try and do both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super burlesque weekend. 
another one we're very excited about is Soft at MCC. Uh, about this, the flowers are in bloom. Mr. Isaiah's classroom in the halls of the correctional boarding school where he teaches and in the depths of his students' imaginations. After one boy dies by suicide, Mr. Isaiah is committed to saving the students he teaches from a world that tries to crush their softness. Uh, and there's a black and brown theater night on Friday, June 17th. This is written by Donye R. Love and directed by Whitney White and playing through June 19th as of this recording. And we may feature some other relevant podcast people that you'll hear about later in the month. <laughs> um, and also we want to shout out the Criminal Queerness Festival. It's back. We talked to the folks over at National Queer Theater last year, um, and we're excited to check out the plays this year. It's June 21st through 24th at Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts. They'll be doing stage readings of Courage Rebirth by Muleme Stephen of Uganda and three short plays by Jonathan Opinya Wamukota of Kenya and a full production of Achiro P. Olak's The Survival. Can't wait to see some of these. I know. It's a busy... This always happens. We yeah. always want to see so much in June and there's only, only so many days in the month. I know. We should have two months for Pride. Yeah, at least. This in October. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite <laughs> Pride Month, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then our Action of the Ep slash Queer Gives. Um, I am a NYCLU artist ambassador, and Ooh. I've been trying to key into more of what they're doing and support their campaigns. So the NYCLU has a campaign against the strategic response group of the NYPD or the SRG. And the SRG is a notoriously violent rapid response unit. And despite promises from the department that this unit would be would not be deployed at protests, the SRG has consistently threatened, attacked, and arrested protesters. So uh, I was trained that, like, especially if you go to a protest, these are the cops that are showing up on bikes, and they're mm -hmm. often instigating violence, escalating violence at protesters, uh, and they, you know, put New Yorkers in situations where they're injured when and they're just exercising their first right amendments. Their current goal in this is to get the city council committee on public safety to hold an oversight committee hearing on the SRG. So public pressure from city council's constituents will help make this happen. So you can use the social media toolkit that the NYCLU has put together. We will link to that so you can demand action from your city council members. You can also sign the petition to tell city leaders that we must disband the SRG and reinvest their funding in ways that can help and not harm New Yorkers. And we'll put a link to learn more about this campaign, fact sheets about the SRG. They have a really um, interesting timeline of how this uh, group came to be. They also have a walking tour so you can walk around New York City and listen to audio of people talking about their experiences with the SRG in the spots wow. where it happened. Uh, so it's a really it's a really great campaign and you can get involved, too. Last but not least... You know, in a month where we can barely fit in any time for queer culture, there's always room for more. So, Holly, <laughs> what is your queer culture rec for oh, us? There's so much, but I, I have to shout out the TV show Gentleman Jack on HBO yeah. uh, that came out with its second season recently. I, full disclosure, I have not started it yet, but I loved the first season so much. Um, this is, you know, about the real person and Lister with her fabulous suit outfits and strange hair. So Everyone has strange hair. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good ride. I think, I think in the middle of season one, I wasn't really sure where it was going or if I would like it, but the ending was pretty fantastic. Oh, stick with it. Yeah. yeah. I think I need to rewatch season one Same. before diving into two to just really enjoy it. Um, so great. Cannot wait for that. Um, and kind of in the same vein, I want to shout out a podcast that I really enjoy called The Gilded Gentleman. <laughs> and it is <laughs> this, uh, I know, this is very, I really like New York City history. And so um, this podcast host does these like really uh, concentrated episodes of things that happen in New York City history. And this one episode I've listened to twice. It's called Man About Town, the story of Murray Hall. Do you know about Murray Hall? No. Holly? Uh-uh. Oh, need to listen. Well, now you know where Murray Hill, the drag drag king, gets his name. Um, It's fascinating. It is about a Tammany Hall politician, super powerful Greenwich Village, uh, a person who like wielded all of this power. And uh, when he passed away in 1901, it was revealed that when he moved here from Scotland, he started living openly as a man. Um, And so it's all about like you know, Murray Hall's life and, you know, he had a wife, he had children. So there's all of these things that are like very kind of shrouded in mystery that we'll never get, you know, full uh, understanding of how he was able to construct his life here. Um, But also it's, it's also like, this is a little bit of a downer, but it's very interesting look at like super early it's 1901 and you see the like transphobia is out of control with Mm. this death and this revelation. So it's, Hmm. um, you know, it might be one of the first famous trans New Yorkers. So it's a really interesting listen. Very cool. Yeah. Check it out. Well, tell us your queer culture Rex for sure. Happy pride, everybody. Happy pride. Be safe out there and have fun. Thanks for listening. If you like, please rate and review us and share us with your friends. So excited to hear your queer culture recommendations or any of your ideas on how we could queer the canon. You can call us. Yes, actually call us and leave us a voicemail at 845-445-9251 or send us an email at thesisonjoan at gmail.com. Until next time, keep it queer. Not that it'd be that hard for y'all to do. <laughs> She's never been this bad during her, like consistent. You gotta go do something. You gotta go find something to do. I'm busy. I'm busy. <laughs> oh my god! Like I, I would fall into that trap all the time. <laughs> like wait. <laughs> doesn't come up as much yeah <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> oh my god gentleman jack sorry yeah. i haven't started season two but i i is it out yeah it started yeah 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 oh my god <laughs> what have i been doing <laughs> i know game of thrones yeah that's true yeah that's what it is 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.